Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Hey everyone, Matt Beamer here for In the Marbles. We got a lot of news and stuff to talk about this week. With about one and a half weeks to go till cars get back onto the track at the Darlington Speedway. So let's get into it. Yeah, although iRacing is a lot of fun and it's filling the void for what we have here with no cars on the track, I'm definitely glad we have a week and a half to go, although we have no fans in the stands, which is a big bummer, being that, again, Darlington is two hours away from my house. Welcome to In the Marbles. We have a lot to talk about this week, and first and foremost, Preston is not here this episode. He had a little bit of car trouble coming in. But as a little update, as far as his heart condition, he's going through a stress test here in the next couple of weeks, and hopefully he'll be back to work shortly after that. So we're hoping for the best and hit for him and praying for him and all that stuff. I know that's a scary situation to be in. But we're just going to go right into it. Green flag, get into the news. All right, so the big thing that I saw come across the table this week in NASCAR is from Adam Stern and talking about pretty much replacing three tracks, a short, a road course, short track, and intermediate track in place of what's going on in Charlotte over the, and Darlington over the next couple of weeks. And NASCAR told teams that uh, three tracks are going to likely lose a cup date and to make up for the Darlington and Charlotte events that are coming up here. No word on what short track and intermediate track it is but it looks like Sonoma is going to be the likely candidate to be on the chopping block for the road course so that's unfortunate Sonoma has a lot of history there a lot of my first road course race as far as me watching NASCAR and that's that's an unfortunate thing but 
it'll be back on the schedule. I'm pretty sure here in the next year in 2021. In fact, NASCAR is already talking about redoing the schedule and nothing's been officially released yet as far as 2021. So we'll keep an eye out for that and give you keep you updated on all the situation from that. But if I had to predict what intermediate track would go, it's going to be one of three. It's going to be either Chicago, Kansas, or Texas. More, more so, I think, Texas because it has two cup races. But NASCAR also said they're not planning to change up the playoff championships. So it looks like the championship is going to still be there. So I'm thinking more so it's going to be Texas spring race that's going to be on the chopping block for that. But we have yet to see as far as short track. That's a tough one. I would have to say maybe Bristol spring race. So there are my three picks, Texas spring, Bristol spring, and it looks like Sonoma's on the chopping block for that. Speaking of Texas Motor Speedway, IndyCar is looking to start back at Texas here very shortly without fans, just like NASCAR. They're going to be starting out without fans, and that's a good sign. At least they're going to have something going for Texas Motor Speedway in the spring for IndyCar racing, and I'm happy to see that. Again, I wish it was with fans. We, As all race fans do, as all fans of any sport, baseball, football, basketball, hockey, wish that we could play with fans, and I think the competitors would rather have fans in the stands it just makes good sense, but we have to wait through this. Like we said last week, the fog is lifting. We're slowly getting back to normalcy. Everything's starting to kind of open up slowly. We'll see how the rest of it, and hopefully by midsummer, everything will be back to normal. But looking at Texas and here very shortly, starting up with IndyCar with no fans. There was a lot of controversy, or a lot of controversy, not controversy, but a lot of talk about with it, with NASCAR running Darlington here over the next few days next week and then upcoming week that they would take away the Labor Day race to uh, Southern 500. And it looks like it's confirmed that the playoff schedule is going to stay the same as stated before. And NASCAR is going to come back to Darlington on Labor Day weekend for the throwback Southern 500, hopefully with fans, because I love to go. That's always a fun track and fun race to go to. And, and fun, something that I found very interesting here, Adam Stern also tweeted, with iRacing and the Pro Invitational Series being put on Fox and everything, it looks like no money has switched hands. I was kind of wondering in the back of my head like a couple of weeks ago, how much money are they making? How much money will this does this cost to start up? But it looks like no money has changed hands from NASCAR, iRacing, and Fox Sports for the Pro Invitational Series, which is, I think, the best move ever. Instead of charging each other to do this, hey, let's get this on there and at least get something out there I'm sure it costs money, but as far as viewerships and stuff, I don't know how all that works, but it's been very popular. One of the most popular esports out there since this whole thing started back in March. And speaking of iRacing, we just had the Dover race this last weekend. It was a lot of fun to watch, just something to watch, not to be taken too seriously. William Byron dominated. That guy seems to go whenever he wants to. I don't know how he does that, but I rated the overall race as a 7.2. It's starting to get kind of yeah, it's something to watch, but it's starting to get kind of boring for me. And it's just unfortunate. It's just one of those things where it's just a time filler, really, just to watch cars go around the track. I'd rather watch old races, but as far as now, and it's just entertaining to watch. I think everybody has fun with it. It's just funny watching the behind the scenes of the drivers do their thing, like Denny Hamlin's daughter cutting him off mid-race at Talladega. That was that was pretty funny. But it looks like they're the last race they're going to run this weekend in the Pro Invitational Series is going to be at North Wilkesboro Speedway for iRacing. They, there's this big campaign a few months ago, I think back in January, December, January time frame, where Dale Jr. got on Twitter, got a Twitter army together and 
sent everybody out there to clean up the track so they could laser scan it and stuff. And it isn't even available to the public yet, but it's going to be nice to see people wait race, at least on virtual North Wilkesboro. I have never seen a North Wilkesboro race, even in replays. So that'd be fun to watch. I can't wait for that. I'm expecting William Byron to do pretty well in it, as well as all the normal drivers up there. But then definitely looking forward to Darlington the following weekend, which is only, as of this recording, which is Tuesday, 12 days away. So really looking forward to that. And then just one more piece of short track news for you listeners in South Carolina. It looks like Florence Speedway is going to be starting back operations May 16th, which is the same weekend as the Darlington race. So I don't know if it looks like just based on the reports I'm seeing, it's going to be ran without fans, but just competitors and team members there. But at least we're starting to get back to some type of normalcy. And hopefully here soon I can make a trip up there to the Florence Speedway to Check out an event there and Myrtle Beach as well. But I'm going to do something a little different today here, folks. I'm going to, since I'm flying solo, I know I wanted to do this with Preston really bad to hear what he had to say, but I made a top five list. And this top five list is going to consist of my best experiences at racetracks. And, um, and so what I did was I thought long and hard about top stories I wanted to tell you guys and have a good conversation back and forth with Preston, but I'm just going to have him with you by all means. Whenever this comes out, I'm going to put up there on Facebook and share your stories too. I'm curious to see what crazy experience you guys might've had a racetrack, but starting off at number five for me was my first trip to Watkins Glen. So what my wife and I did, we planned this for about a year. We decided to take a motorcycle camping trip up to the Finger Lakes area and spend the weekend up there watching the races. Charlie Herkis also drove up from Alabama to join us for these races. And what we did was we camped at a KOA adjacent to the track and, you know, did the whole tailgating thing and not really tailgating thing. If you're not at the track, you're not really tailgating, but did the whole camping experience. And we take, we get into the, Charlie's Jeep and drive to the racetrack every day. And we watched the K&N West series or I believe K&N East series. I think it was K&N East series race as well as the Nationwide Series and then the Cup Race at Sunday. And that was the same race weekend where Kevin Ward was ran over in that dirt track race by Tony Stewart. And I remember waking up Sunday morning, it was early Sunday morning, and seeing the cell phone saying just, I, all I caught was Tony Stewart killed. And I was just, oh no, did Tony Stewart die? And he didn't, and that was an unfortunate weekend, crazy time to be up there. And that was one of really one of the first times I got to see Tony, who's one of my friends that I went to lived up in New York with, or not New York, but North Carolina with. He's now on a NASCAR Cup team, so it was great seeing him for the first time. And what was crazy about that story is that it was it kind of blew me away because. I've been to a number of NASCAR races before then, but thinking that NASCAR is mainly a Southern sport and there are no rednecky people up this far north of the Mason-Dixon line, that was completely false. Yeah, it seemed like it was even more like cliche rednecks up there in New York than there was like maybe in Atlanta or Charlotte or Darlington. It just kind of blew me away, but it was a lot of fun. And then on our trip back, uh, Caroline and I were riding our motorcycles and she was in front of me, and I thought, you know, this is, you know, really just fun, relaxing. What a great weekend it was. I looked down at my phone. I had my phone up, keeping track of where we're going, and it was going to give my wife a time hack because we had Bluetooth communicators. And I looked down, and I look up, and a deer split us. We were doing, I think, 70 miles an hour, and somehow the deer, we missed the deer, or the deer missed us, but Caroline thought I was dead. 
I didn't know what happened. Needless to say, we pulled over. I smoked a cigarette and started laughing. My wife didn't think it was that funny. That was a fun weekend overall, and I couldn't. I shouldn't really say that this is my top five at track things. I think these are just my top five races that I could think about, and it was really tough to narrow these down. Okay, so number four was my first Daytona 500 last year in 2019. My wife had bought these tickets for Christmas for me. We stayed at one of her friend's houses there at Flagler Beach, which is maybe about 15, 20 minutes north of the Speedway. And all we did was the Xfinity race and the Cup race. And it was so much fun. And she was such a trooper through that whole thing, as she is at every event we go to. It doesn't matter where we go. My wife's just a 100% trooper. She had a lot of fun there. We met Daniel Hemrick, and she got an autographed hat of Hemrick. And she even, even that Monday after the race, we went to Daytona to go take a tour and look at the museum. She was just all about that. We had a great time there. That was a lot of fun. So number four for me was my first Daytona 500. And again, this is so tough to narrow down because I've been to so many races and had so many fun times there. So number three for me was my first NASCAR race ever at Atlanta Motor Speedway in 2003. And what made that fun was I got the tickets again for Christmas from my dad. And my dad, of course, came with me. So it was fun being at my first NASCAR race with my dad. One of our good friends, family friends named Bill went to the race as well as my uncle John. And we towed the hop-up camper and we set it up. And I was, how old was I? 16 at the time? 2003. Yeah. I think I just turned 15 or 17. I just turned 17. I'm super excited to be at my first NASCAR race. I want to take it all in and do everything. And my, my uncle John and I, I think they have them at some tracks and some tracks they don't. They have a little pit crew challenge where you have this crummy dummy air gun and you pop lug nuts off and, and you're in my 17 year old mind, heck in me, even my 34 year old mind, I'm thinking I'm going to zip these off. Some guy's going to see and say, Hey, you need to change tires for our NASCAR team. Unfortunately, what happened was I'm going, I'm missing all the lug nuts. My, me and my uncoordinated self trying to, do this and it's so funny to watch my dad has maybe like a 10 second video of it and it's floating somewhere of us trying to do this and i tried to do it it was so funny but i remember asking my dad at every souvenir trailer we passed it didn't matter which drive it was it's like can you buy me this and it was always probably the most expensive item it was either a die cast car or a hat or something and every time he said no which come to find out now that i'm an adult every nascar souvenir trailer i pass now i might as well get something and my wife doesn't really care for that we we spent the whole week in there and we watched the arca race and the cup race it was just two races that weekend and we got the scanners we rented scanners i wanted to buy the fancy 400 dollars headsets with a scanner my dad said no which turns out i ended up buying those at the Watkins Glen race so it all worked out and what I remember most about that, I think it was really my first time seeing like NASCAR fans in their elements. You don't see this on the, on TV and stuff where the Saturday before the race, everybody parties or the night before the race, I should say, everybody parties and everybody's just having a great old time. I was unable to partake. I asked, I, I think that was one of the first few times I asked my dad, Hey, can I, I'm at a NASCAR race. Can I have a beer? And he said, no, while him, Bill and my uncle John partook in not a lot. They didn't go crazy. I feel like I was just a designated driver there. So what we did was we, I just kind of drank Coke and just hung out and it was fun. So it was very loud and, but it wasn't crazy. About 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, it all kind of died down. And then Sunday morning, 
I noticed that there was going to be an autograph session with Jamie McMurray and Casey Mears at the Chip Ganassi trailer. And I get up bright and early and I said, does anybody want to go? And I think they all oh, go away. <laughs> they were still sleeping, not sleeping off a hangover or anything. It was just, I think maybe seven o'clock in the morning. They were, knew it was going to be a long day. So I walk down to the souvenir trailers and I get in line and I'm waiting patiently talking to other guys. They can all tell I'm kind of, I'm young. I said, this is my first NASCAR race. I'm so excited. And, and you know, I've been a fan of the sport for a couple of years now. And this is my first experience. And then somebody said something. It's like, Hey, do you have a ticket? Do I need a ticket to do this? It's like, oh, yeah, yesterday you needed to buy something to have a wristband. And I said, no, but maybe they won't say anything. You know, I'm a kid. They're not going to tell a kid no. Well, sure enough, they told a kid no. This this nice gentleman in front of me picked up the book. I had a little, like, 2003 guide to the season, and he was nice enough to take it up there and have Jamie McMurray and Casey Mears sign it for me. So those were my first two autographs in NASCAR I get back. We ended up, we went to the race and that's where I saw my, after the race, a great race, Bobby Labonte won. And it was just so much fun to watch. It was so exciting. It was a good race with him and Jeff Gordon. We get out of the track after the race. And that's when I first started seeing all these drunk people. And I've never seen a drunk person. I've been kind of sheltered my whole life, obviously, up to this point. And I was kind of blown away just by, oh, wow, that's normal here, I guess. It was so kind of just a whole new world for me, opened up to my eyes to so many things. And then we get back, we had dinner in the pop-up camper. The next morning we packed everything down and went home. And that was my first NASCAR race. Fun weekend there with my uncle, Bill, and dad. And that was my number three memory of NASCAR races for me. Number two, it was the 2008 Bank of America 500. I'm going to school at NTI, which is NASCAR Technical Institute in Mooresville, North Carolina. And we have, you have your core group of friends, and you go to the racetrack, and you just have a good time. We just camped out there, ate burgers, drank beer, and then went to the races whenever the races were going on. And I forget if we were, I think we were in the back of the Speedway, camping alongside one of my friend's friends who has an RV in this whole setup. He does it right every year. And there really isn't much to the story, except it was under caution. I went to the bathroom, and as talked about in previous episodes, the lines to the bathroom get pretty long, and there's a lot of people standing around. Well, I happen to be standing next to safety workers, uh, not track, not obviously the track safety workers, but safety works EMS standing around the racetrack. And this guy, <laughs> it was so funny. Not at the moment. And I don't know this guy, what happened after this. This guy comes up in kind of a frantic frenzy. Just he knows something's wrong, and he has to tell the supervisor what's going on. But this guy comes up and says, Dave. Somebody just fell from the upper stands to the lower stands. And and Dave wasn't happy. He was saying a bunch of expletives and stuff like that. that it was just like one of those things you hear from the outside. And you're just like, oh, no, somebody's having a real bad day. And the rest of the weekend went by without a hitch. I mean, that was the only part from that race. But I have it listed here as... Number two memory that I have is someone fell at Charlotte and he fell from the upper big grandstands to the lower grandstands. I don't know his fate. I don't know if he died. I tried looking it up online. It didn't say anybody died, but I have no idea what his fate was from that. And that's just one of those memories that always stuck with me. It's just, oh man, that's a bummer. And my number one track memory or NASCAR story, I should say, that I have is... My first time going to Darlington in 2017. Now, this race is one of those pivotal crossroads in my life 
where I realized a lot of different lessons, which I'll explain to you at the end. But I had it in my mind. I, I moved to South Carolina in 2016. I wanted to go to the 2016 race, but the timing just didn't work out. I didn't get to go. So I had it in my mind that next year for 2017, I'm going to go to Darlington. And who better to invite to the NASCAR race than my Uncle John, who's been with me to multiple races up in New York. He went to an IndyCar race with me in Pocono to Atlanta to Charlotte. He's been he's pretty much my go-to guy if I want to go anywhere. The Roval, he's been everywhere. And I don't know if how much detail I've gone into this story, and I wish he was here to say what is what I'm maybe lacking in details, but I'm going to try to give you the cold, honest truth of this all. So I bought the tickets, and we're tent camping. We're going to kind of rough it. And so what we did was he drove down to my house here in South Carolina. We packed up the truck, and we went up to my wife's grandparents' house, which at the time was housing all of our storage stuff because we lived in a very small house at the time. So we went up there, and I thought, okay, I know exactly where the tent is. I know where everything we need is. It's just one of those quick 10-minute stops, grab, go, we'll go to Darlington. That didn't happen like that. We went in there, and I quickly realized I have no flipping idea where any of my stuff is. And and John's kind of, if you know John, he's one of those guys who could see through the BS. So he kind of knew what was going on before we even entered in, into the house. And I bet he had it in his head was, this is going to be either the best weekend of our lives or this is going to be the crappiest weekend of our lives. And so I said, okay, that didn't work out. There's always a Walmart within driving distance of anywhere you go in within the United States. I'll just get a tent there. And then he brought up a good point. What if they're sold out there? So on the way to the track, we stop by Walmart. We pick up the um, a small little two, four-person tent. I think it was a two-person tent. It was one of the two. And I said, this will do for me for the weekend. Throw it into the truck. We go and we finally get to the racetrack. We, we get there on a Thursday, which is really early. Because the plan was Friday, my, we were going to enjoy the day. Saturday, my dad was going to drive up from Alabama to watch the Xfinity race and then drive back Sunday. Sunday, John and I are going to watch the cup race. And then Monday, we're going to all pack up and go home. So we're planning on spending five, four days and five or five days, four nights there. So we get there super early. I, I don't know why we got there early. All I know is I was super excited, not only to be going to Darlington, but to be hanging out with my uncle. And I, again, I wish he was here to say, and I know he's listening to this episode going, yeah, I wish I was there with you talking about this too. I'll tell you exactly what happened. We set up camp and they had these mobile shower rooms down the road. My uncle said, I'm going to go take a shower. I said, okay, I'll fix up camp and we'll go out to dinner. Well, just when that happened, this storm came through. It was a severe thunderstorm. It came through, destroyed everything. His tent was open. I shut it the best I could. The canopy that we set up with the flags was destroyed. Everything was leveled at that point. And and I called him up and or texted him and said, "Do you need me to pick you up?" He said, "Yeah, I do." And at this <laughs> And I have a an open beer at the time, and I, so I threw the beer into the, one of those side compartment cubby things and thinking, "Ah, the cops aren't going to say anything. It's raining." I pick him up, I drive back and we're drinking beer and I there in the car with the heat on, and I'm looking at him and I go, everything's destroyed and we get back to the campsite he said yeah it's destroyed and i said i shut your tent i don't know how much water in there but how much water got in there so we're drying off and he said okay we need to just hit the reset button we need to clean up and go eat and we ate at this pizza place and it was somewhere in downtown darlington i forget the name of it but we ate at this pizza place 
And at this point, I'm freezing because I'm wearing blue jeans and a cotton shirt, which just retains water. And he's got this fancy little shirt on that repels water and does all this crazy stuff. And he's fine after 10 minutes. Me, I'm shivering. I'm so cold. We go to Walmart after that because we need to buy another canopy because the first canopy got destroyed. We then go back to camp. At this point, I think it's maybe 5 o'clock in the evening. And we start setting up again repairing everything just okay this is gone throw it away and we set everything back up to where okay this is fine we can carry on we can move on friday comes around and we decide let's go to let's go walk to the track and go explore that a little get the scanners programmed and we'll watch practice and then we decided again hey we need to go to walmart because we tried to grill something and the grill that we acquired from my wife's grandmother's house didn't work and at this point, John can kind of see the writing on the wall. I think that was kind of early in the morning with breakfast where he was just, this is starting to crumble beneath us. And you don't know it yet, but I'm wise enough where I can tell you, Matt, that this is not going to be a good weekend for us. And I said, no, no, we're fine. We can adapt. We can adapt. I'm trying to play this off as coolly as I can, whereas in the back of my mind, the alarm bells are going off going, we're losing it. And we go to Walmart, get a new piece for the grill and we end up jerry rigging it it works but at the same time it's not gonna it's it'll do what we need to do the grill is holding on by band-aids and everything but it it would cook food decently enough so that was friday saturday my dad was inbound and it looked like okay once he gets here we're gonna go to the xfinity race in the afternoon he'll show up in the morning enjoy just time together my dad gets to the track and what we did was we got him set up and he set up a tent because I bought like three camp. I bought like three spaces to make the footprint as large as we could. And he did, and he plopped down his stuff. We got comfortable, but then he brought out, brought out all of his camping gear. He brought out the stove and everything, which was a godsend. We actually had some good dinners and meals at that point. We went to the race, the Xfinity race, and had a great time with that. It was a fun time. But prior to the race, we're sitting there in the stands. We're there maybe an hour early. And I, I had dropped my phone. Well, my dad gets a call from my aunt saying some woman has Matt's phone. It turns out it was the woman behind us, sitting behind us in the stands. But when you when your mind first hears that, you're thinking, oh, no, either this is going to be a very nice lady who gives me my phone or a really crummy lady who takes full advantage of the situation and steals information. But she gave me back from my phone, very nice lady, and we watched the race. We go back to the campground, eat dinner, go to bed. We're ready for Sunday. Now, it's already been such a long day up to this point, or such a long experience up to this point. My my uncle is starting to kind of wear down just a little bit more. And wake up Sunday, I said, you know what? We could put everything behind us, John. Sunday's going to be great. We're going to have a great time. It's going to be a very cool experience there. Now, Darlington doesn't start till maybe about 7 o'clock at night. And we're there for, and it's it's hot in August and Labor Day weekend in South Carolina. And we had no AC. I'm sure if we had an AC, cooler heads would have prevailed if we had a camper or something. But we wake up, Dad and I and John make breakfast, our last decent meal until Dad says, I got to go. He leaves. We eat breakfast. Then he leaves. And that's all John could talk about was that breakfast. Oh, he was such a lifesaver. And I'm thinking, we got a grill here. It's a crappy grill, but it's a grill. And at this point, John's lost all hope for a good week, and he just wants to watch the race get it over with. 
we watch we get to the track maybe about five hours beforehand and there were some lines forming and i thought oh cool this would be a good chance and it's like what's this line for oh richard petty's coming here to sign some autographs i go well i can't pass this up i'm gonna meet richard petty and i stood in line stood in line and you know richard finally shows up and said okay finally 30 45 minutes of me standing in line my uncle's sitting underneath the tree looking at me this whole time I'm thinking, this is going to be finally my chance to get to, oh, hey, Richard, you know, big admirer of you. And, man, I get up to the front and go, hello, to this lady. And she said, where's your wristband? Again, my mind instantly flashed back to 2003 where it's like, hey, you needed to buy something. It's like, what wristband? I wasn't told I needed a wristband. It's like, oh, yeah, you need a wristband to go in here. And so at this point, I'm upset. Oh, the heck with Richard Petty. You know, Richard Petty's, you know, not a far, not a fan of the, you know, he doesn't like the fans, you know, he's just whatever. Who, who decided that was a good idea? Yeah, I was, I was pretty upset. And at that point, my uncle just totally tapped out. He said, I'm done with this. We go watch the race, good race. Afterwards, we go back to the track, we intermingle with some of the fans. It was fun talk. Oh, hey, how's it going? You know, we just had a, a fun little time there at the race. After the race, we get back, we start breaking down camp. We wake up the next morning, we pack everything up, we leave the grill, we said we got Bojangles gift cards we can use, we could go to Bojangles for breakfast, we go to Bojangles for breakfast, and on the leaving the campground, we left the grill there, that caused us so many headaches, and I just backed right into it with my truck and said, we're done, we're leaving, and that was about the one time past, I think Friday, that I heard my uncle laugh. We go to Bojangles, eat breakfast, we got to go back and drop off stuff in my wife's grandmother's house we drop off the tent and everything everything we don't need to take and i forgot to disable the alarm the alarm went off i'm thinking no it's fine all we need to do is shut it off we're fine well as we're leaving this black chevy pickup truck stops me and i roll down the window and i go hey can i help you what are you doing get out of my way and he says what you doing i said i just dropped off some stuff at my wife's grandmother's house we're leaving now and he asked me who I was, and I said, well, who are you? Are you Charlie? And Charlie's one of the people that comes around and helps out with the house. I've never met the guy until this point, so I naturally assumed that this guy was Charlie. He said, no, I'm not Charlie. My name's Captain Jones with the Fairfield County Sheriff's Department. Oh, no. And at this point, deputies are starting to show up, and my wife's cousin shows up and says, oh, they're fine. They're, I know him. He's, he's my cousin's husband. And I go, man... That could have gone really bad. And my and again, my uncle starts laughing and says, how much would you want to bet he was pointing a gun at you the whole time? It's like, probably was. We get done with that. We get back to John's Island after that long ordeal. And John's tired. I'm tired. And I said, hey, <laughs> I got a great idea. Do you want to relive and see if you can see us on TV at the race? And he goes, no, I have never seen anyone take a shower, pack up, and leave more quickly than John did. It took well over a year for him to go to another race with me, which was the Roval in 2017. And that was my number one track experience. The other ones were very short and sweet, I feel, compared to this one. But that was a long story. And I hope you guys enjoyed it because that was a lot of fun reliving that. But we're just going to get in here into our final thoughts here in our Drive of the Week and this week in NASCAR. So our driver of the week here this week in, in the marbles is Dave Marcus. He was born in Wisconsin in, on March 1st, 1941, so it makes him 79 years old. 
and he holds the record for the most starts at the Daytona 500, which is at 33, which is 32 of them were held consecutively. He raced in raced over 35 years in the NASCAR Cup Series, starting in 883 races. His first race coming in the 1968 Daytona 500, and Daytona one in the Daytona 500 again once again bookmarked his the end of his career, which was his last race in 2002. His first win came in the Old Dominion 500 at Martinsville in 1975, and his last win came in the Richmond 400 at the Richmond Speedway in 1982. He has only five wins, but 222 top tens in his 883 starts and 14 poles. The reason why I picked him this week is I just remember him. Well, I I started watching the race in, in 2001, and every now and again he would make the race, make the field, and not really run competitively, but he would be up there, or at least giving it a go, maybe running a few laps and then parking it. But then in 2002, he ran his final race, and they said he was done, and I was like, well, I missed out on, I think, a great career. And that's your driver of the week this week in NASCAR was is Dave Marcus. For this week in NASCAR, we go back to May 2nd, 1976. Buddy Baker runs away from the field and wins the Talladega Winston 500, averaging a record 169.887 miles an hour. Baker finishes 35 seconds ahead of runner-up Kel Yarbrough. That would have definitely been something to witness back in 1976, but unfortunately, I wasn't even born in 1976. But that's all I have for this weekend in the Marbles. I know it's kind of an unorthodox thing, but I really hope you enjoyed my story of my top five racetrack experiences or racing experiences that I have so far. And maybe when Preston comes back, we can hear his top five. But again, still praying for Preston, hoping for his stress test to go well here next week. And um, I know that the 10th is coming up and it's Mother's Day this Sunday. I want to wish all the mothers out there, especially my mother, a happy Mother's Day. I know you guys have sacrificed a lot, even though me as not even a parent yet. But I know a mother never changes. A mother, you know, never stops looking at their child as their baby. And I'm very appreciative of my mother. I know she's down there in Alabama right now. I want to give her a shout out too. And I also want to give one more uh, other people a shout out. Speaking of shout outs, yesterday my wife and I picked up a table. My wife bought a new desk actually. And while we were in the garage, they just um, these this couple just moved here from North Carolina. And while in the garage figuring out how we're going to pick up the desk, I, I noticed out of the corner of my eye, a old Rusty Wallace kind of a painting. And so I said, oh, Rusty Wallace, you guys a fan? And they said, yeah, yeah, we're you're not as much fans of NASCAR now, but, you know, she was a Dale Earnhardt fan and he was a Rusty Wallace fan. I said, oh, very nice, you know. And we got to talking and at that point forgot completely about the desk and started talking racing, and Caroline kind of had a, hey, come on, let's get back on track, like Caroline does when I meet another NASCAR fan. But their names are Cindy and Jimmy, and I just wanted to give, I told them I'd give them a quick shout-out, and I uh, appreciate their talk and appreciate the desk. desk looks great up here, by the way. If you, It's definitely a good addition to the house, and that's about it for me. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up here. Thank you so much for listening to this week here at Into Marbles. We appreciate you guys listening to us every week if you do make sure to follow us on all social media platforms facebook twitter and instagram just type in into marbles and you'll see us there again i hope to press in the best here during his week 
and hope everything goes well for him. And again, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Hope you guys stay safe and have a good rest of the week. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.